Hello and welcome to You've Never Seen Back to the Future, the podcast that's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We're not back on that fucking shit again, are you? <laughs> Hiya. Hiya. How are you doing? I'm good, yeah. Random question, completely random question. Have you ever seen the film Forrest Gump? I have not, but I have been told that your chocolate box quote is from that. I assume I'm being told this because of my uh, complete ineptitude on last uh, week's podcast. But, um, yes, so thank you for making me like a tit. Um, I'm beginning to actually, that, that is what this is really about, um, just trying to exploit me. But it's always yeah. great to have friends, isn't it? Lovely. I mean, that's a great summary of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's essentially... When I explain to people about podcasts, I'm like, yeah, I don't really have to do much to realize. I just sort of ask you, ask Leah a question and then set her off running. So how, how did it, you find out about the box of chocolates thing? Bear in mind, I, I don't think I said anything last week. I used the phrase and you went, well, that's a fucking this stupid phrase, isn't it? By a friend of mine that um, it's a film quote and perhaps I should, uh, perhaps I should ready myself because you do apparently drop them in from time to time. I do drop. So I was like, "Oh, well, that just adds another dynamic, uh, dynamic, another dynamic to the uh, podcast." Because I genuinely wouldn't notice. But now I don't even know what film we're going to be talking about for us to, for me to, you know. This is my favorite bit, by the way, of the whole podcast because for like two minutes I get the upper hand because you genuinely don't know what film we're going to be talking about. Yeah, I kind of regret changing format. No, no, this is a great format. So um, with that in mind, let me tell you about a film. The world is at a crossroads. Oh, God. The atrocities of war are behind us, but countries are consumed with fear for the onset of what, whatever comes next. The Russians and the Americans are locked in a battle to build the finest settlements in space, and at the same time, the American government have a team of top secret scientists working on a weapon that will change the game. When one of these top secret employees go missing, it is a race against the clock to discover. It's a race against the clock. <laughs> is he Sorry. in the hand of the enemy or is he the enemy? This intergalactic adventure is a gripping thriller which deals with espionage, space travel and the threat on a whole other level. Is that all of it? That's all of it, yeah. Shit. Okay. I've got nothing because normally you say the name of the film in it to make it easier. I've mentioned half the name of the film in this. Well, the only bit that seems slightly... You said intergalactic and I was like... Intergalactic. Um, intergalactic yeah. planetary. Something to do with intergalactic and going into space i'm gonna give you a bit of a i don't know about the intergalactic thing i just feel like that That, could be that was the main so there was something some sort of battle between the americans and the russians and who's can't be apollo 13 it's lethal weapon fucking hell (laughs) i'm glad you just told me i was never gonna get guess that So hold on, let's just go over this again. The world is at a crossroads. 
The atrocities of war are behind us, but countries are consumed with fear for the onset of whatever comes next. The Russians and the Americans are locked in a battle to build the finest settlements in space. And at the same time, the American government have a team of top secret scientists working on a weapon that will change the game. When one of these top secret employees go missing, it is a race against the clock to discover the truth. Is he in the hands of the enemy or is he the enemy? This intergalactic adventure is a gripping thriller which deals with espionage, space travel and the threat on a whole other level. Ah, makes complete sense now. Now you say it like that, you've absolutely smashed it. Okay, have I really? You, you... (laughs) I was excited about this because I... Go on. No, 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 no. Why are you excited by it? I was excited because I had a couple of films and um, obviously nowadays we've got this really big problem of the fact that you don't know what the film is, but I don't know if a film is a classic or not. So I have to ask my wife, who is, you know, fairly into movies, I would say, um, and I named some films to her, which I came across, and she'd never heard of any of them. So finally when we came on this one, she was like, yeah, that is a classic. Um, do you deem it a classic? This is, I, I think this is definitely a classic. I think this goes in in the category of films that you should have seen films it's it's not in the i don't think it's a classic in maybe the sense of a top gun and a terminator etc but it's one of those films where people were like how have you not seen this have you seen independence day uh yeah it's not very good is it oh my god it's amazing with will smith i i can quote lines from that movie like i genuinely love that film so for me this is like kind of going to be quite similar, but only a bit more serious. Let, let's start with the basics. The lethal weapon is they are working on a weapon that will change the game. Who's one of the top secret employees? So he's not the weapon. Well, we don't really know, do we? But what what we believe is that there is, you know, like. You're, you're using we very liberally there. Yeah, so I use it as like the royal way, yeah? yeah sure. So when you watch movies, there's always like you're always led to believe that certain things are established fact. Yeah. So in this movie, the established fact is that the Americans have got this very, very top secret um, task force working on this weapon. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of corridors, going to be a lot of locked doors, going to be a lot of retina scans. There's going to be a lot of passes, a lot of security. There's going to be all of those, like, corridors. There's always corridors. Walk, 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 go down an set of escalator, walk, 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 double doors, walk, 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 corridor, turn right, walk, 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 elevator. You know, there's a lot of that business. They kind of build that in. It's all about making it feel like you've walked miles and you're underground and whatever, whatever. So there's a lot of that. They've established that. Um, This guy who's gone missing is, like, one of the – one of the few who knows everything. So he's one of the ones who knows about the weapon. We don't know what the weapon is. It's like, it's, we don't know if it's viral. We don't know if it's like nuclear. We don't know if it's like flesh eating robot spiders. We don't know what it is. Like no one knows what it is. All we know is it's like, this is where they've invested their money. And they really fucking hate the Russians. 
Is this set in like the sixties or something, or is this like modern day? It's kind of like in that period of time where the space race is going. So what's that like from the fifties to the early like late eighties? I mean, you I, first uh, astronauts and stuff was sixty one. And landed on the moon sixty nine. Post that, I mean, we've got to be into retinal scans because we need that whole like. Doo, 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 doo. We need all that kind of bullshit, crazy, you know, fingerprint technology. Is it set in the future when they've got special? You know, I think it's probably is set in the future. Yeah, because they're already kind of like colonizing space. But I think the film was made probably in the nineties. Okay, so, so not, made in the nineties, set. set in the twenty sixty five. Okay, because this was one of the issues we had with Terminator that oh, you thought it, joke, ne- wasn't it you thought it needed to be a thousand years in the future, and I yeah. pointed out the whole yeah. point of it was that he it's he goes yeah, back the whole to his mum. Yeah, go back and check it out. It's not a fucking classic film, but it is a classic podcast episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I would say. Yeah, this doesn't need that. There's no sex with, you know, family members. So no, no. not constrained there. We're just um, able to free ball it. I, now, I'll, I might have to check about whether I need to edit this out. Basically, depending on whether the person listens to the podcast or not, I'll have to subtly find out. I know someone who has, uh, has a child with, I don't want to say a family member, with like a distant cousin. I don't know how distant. That's she, that is actually legal, though. You are allowed to marry your first well, cousin. Well, this is the thing. And what she said, what she's, it's a friend of Haley's, and what she said to Haley was, well, I I Googled it, and it's not illegal, and it's like a, I don't know, a second, third cousin or whatever. And my view is, if you need to Google, can I have sex with this person, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Like, if you need to Google it, Let's assume it's 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 bad. I wouldn't want to speak with any of my cousins. <laughs> no, I want to say, are there any of your cousins who you're specifically thinking of? No, no, no. I just, you know, I'm not a cousin lover. Like that's, I mean, I love my cousins. But... <laughs> I've actually got their first album, Cousin Lovers. Doesn't float my boat. Do you know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Like for me, you just sure. Yeah. So where were we? So yeah, it's set sometime in the future. So is it? Is it a ridiculous future, you know, of, of people you know, floating around they all on hoverboards and stuff? No, and silk no, suits. None, of that none, none of it. We're all ba- basically, for our purposes, you know, the, the minions, let's say, it's it's like nothing's changed. We're, we're doing exactly the same thing. We're going to work, we've got jobs, we've got the internet, all that kind of shit. Um, I mean, we are colonising space, so we are actually building, you know, habitable space stations and 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 we're in a race to do that and we're not in a race england don't race to do anything um but the americans are racing for it uh it's this american movie uh just if you need to clarify between the americans and the russians there's a lot of chinese as well to be honest i think the chinese are starting to get um get involved which you know doesn't surprise me yeah, exactly. So the the biggest thing here is is what is this? The Americans have obviously de- de- um, they developed something in terms of this lethal weapon, and the Russians or the Chinese, um, just to kind of mix it up a bit, they they've kidnapped this dude, or at least that's the belief. But then there is also the question put into our minds that maybe he's actually 
a double agent anyway. Ah. So, you know, there's, there's quite a lot of intrepidation because you're not really sure what's happening. Um, and is a race against time. Yeah, you're right. I have said this before, but I feel like race against time is pretty much every fucking movie, right? Because if there's no time frame on it, then we could all just sit around forever and see what happens. And that sure. doesn't really build suspense, does it? Oh, yeah. So is he a top scientist or is he more of a political figure? Is there going to be a sequel where he's the president? Because that often happens, you know? No, he's not really a top political figure. He's just the guy in the know. So whatever the weapon is, he knows about it. Maybe he developed it. Like if it is flesh-eating monkey spiders, maybe you know, he developed them or he built them. If it is a virus, maybe he has, he's the one who's actually like, you know, mutated it, fuck knows. But this guy, he's in the know. So nobody wants, if he's good and he's not a double agent, we really don't want him in the hands of the Russians or the Chinese um, because they're obviously just going to waterboard him until they get that information. <laughs> obviously. I, yeah. I'm I'm a little confused mm-hmm. um you haven't seen the movie so that's understandable that's pro- it's, it's probably going to ease a lot of these things for me um yeah. but they're russians and americans are locked in a battle to build the finest settlements in space yes and at the same time they've got a top secret site they've got top secret scientists working on a weapon that will change well, the game i see why you're confused because they're going to take him into space so the entire trying to uh, recover this agent is happening in space <laughs> okay i love that you've got more yeah. questions now so he's space. been so is this whole film i should have asked this that's my fault is the whole film set in space pretty much yeah i mean right my bad. The, the that should have been my first question. Yeah, I, I mean, sorry, I wasn't clear. Basically, what my thinking was this: there have been many, many films, many, 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 many films where. Oh no, you're. Right. I mean, your thinking is right. Yeah, there have been many films. Great point. Yeah, that have happened in like boring, you know, government buildings with corridors, as we discussed earlier. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to do here was when I was thinking about this movie, I was like, okay, so they're creating a lethal weapon, right? Yeah. If it was created in a lab you know, in London or in New York, uh, the film's going to be pretty fucking dull. So basically what um, I've had happen is the guy who created the lethal weapon, which we don't know what it is, um, him and the mm-hmm. weapon have been taken by the enemy. Um, and because at this time there's a lot of focus on colonising space, they've taken him into space. And so the pursuers have also gone into space uh, in in the tracking of him, and this film is basically like a very uh, good kind of car chase movie um, in spacecrafts, essentially trying to recover the what has been taken. And the thing that's been taken is the man and the lethal weapon. But I'm, I probably shouldn't have told you that because you know. yeah, I'm getting more confused. So right, so that it's set in space with a lot of space corridors. Yeah. Which great band got the first album. Um, he has been the person who's got the secrets has been has gone missing, presumed kidnapped, possibly a secret agent. And he has got whatever the secret to this weapon is that which how does it change the game? Well, I'm not going to tell you what the weapon is. OK, don't tell me what the weapon is. That'd be a lovely surprise. 
in the beginning, nobody knows that the weapon itself has been taken because no one knows what the weapon is. That's the point of the movie. Right? Oh, okay. Man is taken, but it transpires that the man has got the weapon on him. You know what? You know what would be amazing if it turns out that the man is the weapon. Well, I can't tell you that because it is. Yeah, don't ruin it for me. Don't ruin it for me. But the point is, we learn throughout the film um, that the man is um, is in possession of the weapon. Okay, and is he like a young, young kind of new to the game fella, or is he old and it's like his last week and he's you know too old for this shit? No, no, he's like he's sprightly. Um, he's not. Sure. He's not green. You know, he's experienced. He's seasoned. And to be fair, you know, he's the only person I would trust um, with this weapon. And does he play by the rules, or is he a bit of a bad boy? I mean, he does what he needs to do to survive and save the world, arguably, because this is a lethal weapon. This is not some small little weapon. Um, this is not some cute guns, you know, or some, um, I don't know, shiny knives. This is this is something that will destroy all of humanity. This is oh, serious, shit. Ross. Yeah. Sorry. It's lethal. I didn't... To everybody. I mean, there's... Everything. Yeah. <laughs> You honestly went really quite sinister then. Like, it's lethal to everything. Yeah, Ross. that's how it is. It's very serious. It's not a joking matter. Yeah, it's not, yeah, this is not a joke movie. I mean, it's not. there's not a joke in the house. It's a very serious um, and well I, I, and beautifully shot. Some real poignant, like, moments of, like, you know, star systems and, like, yeah. light shining off of glass and that kind of crap it's quite um like shining off of glass what glass i don't know like glass of the spaceship you know when you get that thing where you get a glint oh, like a flare like um, cinematically um it's you know it's visually spectacular that's what it will say visually spectacular visually let me write that down because last week was a cinematic masterpiece and this one's visually spectacular wonderful soundtrack let's say wonderful soundtrack um Orchestral? Yes, yeah. You, you imagine, uh, what's his face? Uh, Planet Suite. You know, Jupiter by Holst. That would definitely be the sort of thing that's um, playing in the in the background. Mm-hmm. Sure. That was used a lot in the 90s, that sort of, like, you've got some films like Train, Train Spotting that had, you know, Orbital and that sort of music. And But we're going more with uh, Holst, the planets. Mm-hmm. Planet Suite. Yeah, it's beautiful. Sure. Okay. Mm. And maybe for the sequel, it'll be Peter and the Wolf. Fucking hell, I love Peter and the Wolf. Just remember, like, lesson, like, having, like, a school... Some school assemblies were fucking lazy, and they just did that thing going, right, we're just going to put on this record, and you're all just going to sit there, and, you know, this one's Peter and the Wolf. And you're like, but what? We had this guy called um, Mr. Strange, right? And he used to come to our primary school assemblies, he had a big magnetic board of like magnetic Jesus and magnetic disciples <laughs> and magnetic. And he used to tell Bible stories with his magnetic board and he'd like flip up the magnetic people and they'd be like on the board. And it'd be like, he'd tell these stories, but then he'd have these songs. And so he would like really bring like, you know, Christianity to life, let's say. And he, he, he had this song which was, Love is like a telephone for us to talk to Jesus. 
Oh, no, not love. Prayer. Prayer is like a telephone for us to talk to Jesus. Prayer is like a telephone for us to talk to God. I need to sing it. There's a lot of songs. I remember the, I remember the songs. Mm. I remember we had one. Like, see, hindsight is very helpful with this because you go, oh, yeah, that, that teacher was a was a hippie. The one who used to do Bob Dylan. Like every now and again, there would be a different, you know, be like the, normally like the headmistress or headmaster would do the assemblies. And every now and again, a different teacher would. And I remember there was one. And I can't entirely remember her name. But the hymn was Blowing in the Wind by Bob Dylan. And one time it was The Streets of London. I can't, I want to say Ralph McTell, possibly. Um, and you, Ralph McTell is the guy with the alphabet zoo. Alphabet You know, zoo. like, my name is Kenny and I'm a kangaroo, kangaroo, kangaroo. He's Ralph McTell, McTell. Did he also do he The Streets of London? I don't know. I was thinking as you were talking that I could really disappoint you and tell you I've no idea. I couldn't tell you a Bob Dylan song. I couldn't tell you pretty I'm much a song that anybody classic. We could have another podcast literally where I just don't know anything about music. Quite often so, you will say things and I just go, because mm, <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Are we going to have to do a spin-off series, which is I can't believe you've not heard Definitely Maybe, something like that. It's definitely maybe by Oasis. It is, yeah. Okay, I do know about Oasis because I fucking love Oasis. In fact, I would say... You can't say I love Oasis, but at the same time say it's definitely maybe by Oasis. You fucking know it's by Oasis. Yeah, no, I don't know things like that. But I know that I love certain songs. Like, I love Champagne Supernova and I love... Um, like. I don't really know the names of the songs. But I, I, do you know what? I listened to Oasis in the car the other day and it made me so happy. I was literally like, Ambler, you know, a little bit of country house. I'm all right with it. But I could not tell you four names of songs by them. Probably I'd really struggle. But I love okay. the music, like genuinely. I just don't remember this stuff. I think that's Host the problem. the planets, not a problem. You're all over that. But you can't, how could you forget that? It's iconic, man. It's not as iconic as definite. It's supersonic or live forever. These are songs by Oasis. Oh, I, I don't know I, them. I, I was going to say, you're, uh, this is when the podcast lets us down because your face could not be more blank. Sorry. If I heard it, maybe I'd know it. You just told me you love Oasis. No, you're saying, yeah, if I heard Live Forever, maybe I'd know it. How does it go? Hum it. I'm not humming it. Can you hum any of it? I, I mean, I can. I've, I've got the voice of an angel, but I'm not going to be singing. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll check it out after after we finish. Okay. I might try and work out because this is the second episode where you've done had a little sing song, so I might start putting effects on your voice, putting a little bit of echo on and stuff, put a little bit of backing oh, track yeah. onto it. Well, because I sang, I'm Kenny the Kangaroo. I don't really think that's. Um... I mean, I've got no. Oh. Uh, Kenny the Kangaroo means nothing to me. Ralph McTell, man, the guy wrote this whole. Alphabet Zoo, I think it's called. It's like a song for every letter of the alphabet. And it's like, so there's Holly the Hedgehog. Holly the Hedgehog, nobody wants to sleep with her because she's got uh, prickly bristles that tickle and they bristle. All of the other animals, they've got fur. Like, this is the song. There's Gordon the Goat. He opens his throat and scoffs the lot. It's, it's iconic. Okay, like, so I've just Googled Ralph McTell. First song that comes up, Streets of London. Second song that comes up, Streets of London. Third one, Summer Girls. 
nothing about frogs or whatever it was you were talking about. Yeah, I've just fucking found it. You're lying to me. Ralph McTell's Alphabet Zoo. What, what do you mean I'm lying to you? What did I lie to you about? Like, you're telling me this bloke wrote some shit song, but he he's like... It's not a lie. He wrote the song Streets of London. It's a fucking classic. Just ask... Well, now we're going to have to explain that when we come back in. Okay. Sorry, so I, any... I coughed in fury because you didn't know who Ralph McTell was. I've and... told you who Ralph McTell is. That Ralph McTell is the man who did Streets of London, his most famous song. There's no reference on... If you go to his website, right? Oh, this is... There's not many podcasts about films where people are looking up Ralph McTell's website. I'm not going to have a go at Ralph McTell because he wrote Streets of London, but his song, his album, I guess, about the Alphabet Zoo, he's gone quite random in some of these animals. He's not gone for the obvious ones, and I admire that, right? Yeah. K, Kenny the Kangaroo. Good work. L, Lawrence the Lion. Excellent. Uh, Let's go down a little bit. Victor the Vulture. Okay. Wagstaff the Woodpecker. I've got more complaints about the use of Wagstaff. Yuri the Yak. Yuri the Yak is amazing. It's a good Nelly one. the Newt. To be fair, some of them are my favourite. I, I, Impala song. Could you not think of a name beginning with I? It's the most Ian, beautiful Ian song ever. Impala. No, 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 no. It's the most beautiful song. It's like a little lullaby for children that are afraid of the dark. Don't be afraid of the dark, little one. Uh, Lita, I don't remember the last bit we were talking about. You coughed because you were angry about something and finished the recording. Ralph McTell, Streets of London. I think I think yeah. the teacher's name was Mrs. Mrs. Federici, maybe. Federici, good name. Did she say things like Mrs. Federici's going to reach you around and touch you? Or was she quite creepy? <laughs> creepy Federici. Are you. There was no sexual assault. I just want to clarify for the record. There was no sexual assault from Mrs. Federici. There was no no reach arounds and touching. That did not happen, to, to the best of know. my knowledge. Did she have a nickname like Creepy Federici? Like, did you give her or like, you know, Preachy Federici? No. Okay. So we used to say that Mr. Strange was strange by name and by nature. Well, I mean, he's that's an open goal, Mr. Strange. Yeah, it's true. The teacher I've told you about before, the art teacher who we would lock out of the room. Yes. Quite a short man, Papa Smurf. Papa Smurf. Smurfs was a TV programme with very small I've seen seen Smurfs. Okay. The Smurfs. Yeah, there was like one girl Smurf. It really bothered me. Smurfette, the rest of them were all boys. Like fundamentally, that's not how society works. She must have had a really sore vagina. <laughs> now, I normally see into the, the notes for each episode. I pick out like three things. Can I put Smurfette's vagina? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so we've got space corridors, Smurfette's vagina. Cool. Has to be Euro the Act, no? Is that a reference to a vagina? 
<laughs> no, that's just straight up McTella is best. I cannot believe this, honestly. Streets of fucking London. Anyway, um, that I think. I'm looking. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm now looking at the list of song names of the uh, of the different animals and thinking which ones of them could apply to someone's vagina. <laughs> to be fair, some oh, there's Morris the Mole. <laughs> Morris the Mole. Yuri the Yak. Gordon the Goat, though he's quite he's Gordon. The lyrics to Gordon the Goat are Gordon the Goat will open his throat and scoff the lot. That is literally the lyric. He's one of my favourites. I love him. He's such a he's such a legend. We need to get off this because this is okay. Got, sorry, it's, it's taken an unusual turn. Um, what right, film. Okay, There's so no no love interest in this movie at all, which oh, that's you good. know. Yeah, no, it is good. Because I feel like films go for that far too much. Um, yeah, there's none of it. There's no sex. There's no. There's not even any kissing, I don't think. You know, it's just full on, let's try and save the world from absolute destruction. And can you, without, you know, leave the spoilers, but can you tell us how it how it ends? No. All right. Well, on, in that case, should we leave it there? I think so. I think this is one you've really got to watch for yourself. And um, sure, have you seen this movie? Yeah, of course. Okay. Because it's *Lethal Weapon*. Of course, I've seen it. All right. Okay. Again, this is the point of the. I th- this is the bit sometimes you forget with the podcast. That the point is that these are films that you can reasonably expect someone to have watched. Someone of our age, you can reasonably expect someone of our age to have watched Lethal Weapon. It's not a tiny little cult classic. Did you have any expect? Had you heard of this film before? I've heard it. I have heard it mentioned. Yes. Okay. Um. And do you have any memories of what you've heard mentioned? No. So there's genuinely when I was like, oh, I've heard of Lethal Weapon. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, I've got a feeling it might have Mel Gibson in it. I don't know if he's the goody or the baddie or if he's just one of the Russians, to be honest. Yeah, I I also had a really weird feeling about this film that um, it was about nu- there was a nuclear missile in it. And I was like, okay. but that's so fucking cliche. And... Then I was confusing it, I thought, maybe with, you know, I just mentioned Independence Day, Idafa, um, which I fucking love, and there is a lot of, like, nukes in that. So I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm just overlaying one film with another, which you know I have a tendency to do. And also there's aliens in it, so that might be where I'm drawing on the aliens from. But um, not aliens, but space in general. I mean... There's aliens in this, in Lethal Weapon. I mean, um, there's space. Space and aliens to me are the same thing. Like, if you're in space, there's aliens, right? We don't, like... Yeah, it's quite a big thing to not mention until the end, is that... Oh, yeah, no, 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 I'm not saying there are aliens, but just in general, when you talk about space, that's, like, you saying that, like, aliens, it's like me saying, if you go to France, there's French people, right? If you go to space, there's space people. They're aliens, right? <laughs> space people, innit, mate? Okay, anything else that we should know about Lethal Weapon? No, I mean, just probably don't watch. Let you, don't let your kids watch it because, I mean, if it doesn't end well, I'm not saying it does or it doesn't. Um, there could be no nothing left. <laughs> okay, and then that chirpy note. Right, let's go watch the film then. I guess. 
Awesome. <clears throat> My voice has gone very high there. <clears throat> Let's go and watch the film, I guess. Let's do that. And um, we'll uh, speak about it later. Yeah, see you on the other side. Hello, welcome back. That's a really big hello from me. I've really powered into that hello. Hello, listener. Hello, Leah. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm terrible at, at doing introductions. I don't feel like I'm, I can naturally say the word hello. No, I'm beginning to think the same. <laughs> but, you know, keep trying. Hey. What do I say when I actually see people? Hello. Hello. Uh, all right, you're more of an all right. Yeah, you can't start a podcast like that. No. But can you? No. Hard pass. Hard all right, podcast, isn't it? I got some thoughts about this one. I've got some thoughts. So I've I've not seen this film in years, and uh, yeah, my my thoughts on it surprised me. What What did you think? Well, I'll start by saying it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> it's not a, okay. It's set literally on Christmas Day. It opens with a Christmas song. There are Christmas references throughout the film. This Mm -hmm. is a Christmas movie. So just off air, I was just telling you about my friend who messaged and I said, okay, we're going to do another couple of episodes and then we're going to take a break and then we'll probably come back some like towards the end of the year and do some Christmas films. And he's got a big thing. This is Lewis that, um, that diehard, is not a Christmas film. Well, I don't so know this. You've told okay. everyone who's told me it is a Christmas movie. Yeah, of this course is it's a Christmas, Christmas film. film. I don't think of this as a Christmas film. I think of this as a film that's set at Christmas, which... I was angry that we were watching this in August. <laughs> I, but I think this goes... Actually, yeah, it, I had... <laughs> it hadn't... I don't think of it... Although it's... The reason I say that I don't think it's a Christmas film is... That part of it had entirely blocked out of my mind. There's other films where, like, Christmas is integral to the film. And this film is more, it happens to be at Christmas. It doesn't drive any of the storylines or anything. I think it does. But we'll come to that. Do you want to know my general thoughts on the film? Or do you want me to just dive straight in there with... uh... Give me your general thoughts first. Okay, general thoughts is, I liked this film. So, yeah, very enjoyable um, and actually very watchable. And, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's in the top half for sure. The films mm. I've watched. Um, yeah, liked it. Great. Music was really interesting. Um, for the other general thought, I have the actual, like, the, the, the musical score like the mm-hmm. way that they like built tension, they use quite a lot of like classical music and this kind of stuff. Uh, I found that to be quite uh, quite good. Quite liked it for its time. I thought it was very um, compelling. Going to use the word compelling. It's nineteen eighty seven, so I think there was a few little bits in there which may be kind of quite Question of its time. Do. Oh, what, like the fact that, let me just list a few of them for you. They refer <laughs> to uh, lesbianism as disgusting. He turns around to him when he's trying to put him out on fire and says, are you a fag? Which I thought was uh, a tad yeah. dramatic. Um, but there are a few other bits that I've... Uh, um, can we, can we, can we went to the lesbian bit? 
Yes. I assumed that that must be a joke. That he was like, the thought, because he was like, imagine she was here with another woman. He was like, ugh, disgusting. And I was like, I I assumed that, that he was like, thank you very much. I would like to enjoy these two, the thought of these two women. I assumed that must be a joke. I don't think it is. There was, it, there was some bits in it, like, they were so disrespectful to that hooker. Like, the fact that they, one, they called her a hooker, which I've just done now, which makes me fucking terrible, but... <laughs> They basically, yeah, they reduced her to the fact that she was a hooker and then they were like, oh, you're all dressed up with no one to blow. To be fair, it's a good line. It is, but it's not appropriate for a police officer to say that to anybody. So there were some bits in it that I did think clearly indicated the um, the time. I'd also question whether or not it's an 80s thing um, that his bum was so hairy. I mean, you always end up obsessing about people's junk. Whoa, 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 whoa. I- Hang on, I do not... No, no, we do. This is the third or fourth one. So that's, so that's, that's not obsessing. When they show... When there's... I, I'm pointing out nudity, but not just like you see... Everyone knows you see Mel Gibson's... Um, that's not kind of interesting. It was more on the other one. I didn't realise that you saw Arnold Schwarzenegger's penis. I did feel that that was a bit much, um, to be fair. But the, let's go back a second. The start of this film was fucking brilliant. Like, the start of it, I was like, oh, it's Christmas, lovely, lovely. Oh, look, pretty lady. Oh, she's kind of naked. Just about to get it on with someone. No, no, she's not getting on with someone. She's snorting coke. Okay, yep, she's having a good time. Oh, she's on a balcony. Mm, she doesn't look great. Oh, shit, she just jumped off the balcony. And then it's like, roll credits. And I was like, okay, not quite what I was expecting. Not a lot of space travel. Mm. I was going to say, so at what point, how long did you give it into the film when you realised... Oh, this is very different from what I thought. To be fair, I did feel for the first 20 minutes that there were like separate storylines going on. And throughout the film, I didn't feel it was all that cohesive. Like, the obviously, this is actually about like a cop bromance, right? But mm-hmm. it took me a long time to realise that that was what this film was about. And when he was like, oh, I guess you're a lethal weapon, I was like, oh, right, they're implying that this guy is the lethal weapon. I was like, wow, that's a bit lame. So, and then there was this whole storyline. I mean, I got really confused. I wrote it down when they were talking about the shadow company. So fuck me. Like what? This is too much information for my brain now. We've got all these people in and out. We've got the weird one who gets burnt on the arm. We've got the old guy. We've got the the guy who's lost his daughter. It's it's too much stuff going on. Um, So yeah, there was was a bit of that, but I I realized pretty soon in that it wasn't going to be my movie. And I'm not going to lie, I'm actually glad for the first time because I think this was probably more fun to watch than my movie. I think my movie would have been quite harrowing. This wasn't harrowing. It's quite light. Well, it's it's really interesting you say that, because in my head, Lethal Weapon is, I guess, late 80s, early 90s particularly, a big um, thing of sort of like action comedies. And in my head, this is sort of like the buddy cop and you've got one who's uptight and the one who's sort of a bit of a maverick and, you know, will they become friends, you know. And actually the first 30 minutes I found really sad because he's got this huge struggle with his mental health. He's on the verge of suicide. Actually, I read an article about it just before we came in just to see kind of what people have picked up. And there's an article on the website called Den of Geek. Um, about sort of about the film but also the mental health aspect and I found the first 30 minutes of it 
genuinely really sad because it's about the fact that he's his wife has has died and basically he's like i've i've got nothing and obviously they were um juxtaposing that with the images of the the other guy's family so it's not just sort of and again i'm, I'm kind of like lifting certain bits from this article but normally you've got the buddy cop say one who's uptight and one who's kind of um you know the, the rebel and this was and you just kind of don't see much deeper than that and this was well this guy's got a whole family so you're getting into kind of you understand what he's like and it's not that he's uptight he's just sort of older and more set in his ways and on the other side you've got this guy who's living uh, like in a caravan i guess on a beach and you know starts the day smoking and drinking the other days and yeah on the verge of suicide and i thought how they handled the mental health aspect was really sad yeah that that what I, like, I think you've really i think you've really like encapsulated that really encapsulated that really well like it was really heavy going at the beginning and i wrote that i was like fuck this is heavy going but actually I also wrote a comment about the acting, right? And it ties back to what you're saying. I said the acting is horrific in places and then genuinely splendid in others. It is so confusing to me. Their dynamic and relationship seems so genuine, but the rest is wooden and passable at best. Like when he was sad at the beginning in that first 30 minutes where he was going to shoot himself in the face with a gun, he was crying and he was like talking to his dead wife. I was like, "What? Fuck me! This guy can act." I like really believed every second of that scene. I was like, "Fuck!" He's like tortured, and even when he was acting a bit crazy, like he did the funny slap face slapping thing, which I fucking thought was hilarious. Um, like all of that stuff read as very genuine. And when he was like hyped up, like partly probably because he'd just done the drugs when he was like doing that drug deal, he actually did the drugs, so he was feeling probably a bit. When he had the other guy and they had the gun to his head, and he was like, "Yeah." Fuck it, feels really genuine but there were other bits when they were like trying to do scenes in the film and you were just like oh my god can either of you act because this is horrific what sort of stuff just so much of it i don't think i wrote specific things but there were so many bits where you were just like that is not how you would like what is this like it just felt really awkward and a bit wooden anything where it wasn't just the two of them having a conversation right like when there were other people involved or like when they were actually filming bits of the the film with other yeah other people that weren't the two of them i just felt even their acting was quite wooden but when it was the two of them like interacting like, on the boat or having a chat it was just really wonderful and i think there was that undercurrent of the whole film this is really funny at the beginning ellie was like we barely got through the opening credits and ellie went Oh, no, I think they've met as partners. And Ellie said, well, he's going to end up having Christmas dinner with him, isn't he? Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? And she went, oh. And you were like, this isn't even set at Christmas. What are you talking what about? What are you talking about? Anyway, so then a little bit later, he gets invited around for dinner. So I think it's the first day they've worked together, he gets invited around for, for dinner. And um, yeah. I said, oh, you're right. She went, no, 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 this isn't Christmas dinner. This is just dinner. Wait. And then, obviously, right at the end of the movie, he's like, come on, come in and have like Christmas dinner or whatever. It's just, yeah, so there's fairly bits of predictability, but, yeah, definitely it was a pretty... I don't think they... I don't think they did a good job of dealing with the kind of mental health stuff. And, and that guy, when the, the woman was saying to that police officer as well, wasn't she? Forgotten about that. 
you know, he, he shouldn't be out on the streets. Like he's really struggling. He's got he's got suicidal tendencies, whatever. And the guy was like, "Well, let's see if he kills himself in three days. And if he does, then I'm wrong." Yeah, it's a really weird one because I, I can't. I'm really torn about whether it handles it well or not. And maybe the answer is both. So because how we actually depicts especially at the beginning like the suicidal thoughts like i think believer was a really good word for it like i was like i know that he doesn't do it i've seen the film like i know he doesn't die but i was really i don't know like sucked into that moment and really kind of like felt for him and again this what this article was was saying is about how he's basically feels like he's got nothing. He does that speech about how, you know, the job is the thing that gets him up in in the morning. And then as it goes on and say so that thing towards the end of it with him being uh, invited around for Christmas dinner, it's like, you do have something. Look, we, we will be your family. Mm-hmm. And like I say, it is, a, it is very much a bromance and that's done in a million films. I thought so the way it kind of like, it touched on the mental health thing was really really interesting i think it was really and i did it really well for some parts i thought it's a real shame that maybe they kind of didn't if that film was done now they're going to talk about that more yeah. that he you know, would be, the, if they if that film was if the film was made now then he would be taken out of active service yeah but the thing is you do get some people who are so i i have worked with someone whose wife is in mental health care and kind of got talking to him about it one day and I was like oh I've got mental health first aid training so I you know I've kind of got some understanding of how to recognize things and what you can do and he said if I saw someone uh and they told me that they wanted to jump off a bridge I'd say go on and do it and go you know stop wasting our time and I was like wow like I, I don't it's surprising to me that people that there are people who still would say that sort of thing. And especially with his associations with the mental health, you know, medical side of that, it really surprised me. So I think there are some people who would still kind of think like that. So it would have been nice if it had touched on it more. Yeah. Like for a lot of, for this was not, I would not say this is a comedy, right? The only things that I found comedic probably are not things that, you know, or you're actually supposed to find comedic, if that makes sense. So, like, I had a few, like, I had some thoughts about, like, when they started talking about the shadow company, I was like, oh, my God, I'd love to apply for a job at the shadow company. And then I was like, so, so, I reckon... Sorry, go on. I don't necessarily want to do the drug smuggling, but, like, if right. people are like, oh, where do you work? I'd be like, oh, I work for the shadow corporation. <laughs> How cool would that be? Just to be like, yeah. And then shadow company... The Shadow Company wasn't a company, it was a military unit. Yeah, but if they were a company, company, I would like to apply for that, for that role. Right. Then, what, what sort of company do you think a Shadow... Let's, let's say there's a company called the Shadow Company. Yeah, they do all kinds of shady shit. I don't want to what do the drug dealing, but I'll do other stuff. Like, you know, a bit of like, maybe a bit of assassination. Yeah, right. So you said before about my my thing with obsession with you know genitalia which is not an obsession i'm just mentioning things in the film i had to edit out a big section of the last episode or maybe the one a previous one i think that the, the quote was if i didn't hurt anyone i would be a murderer. a murderer true but totally true so i could work for the shadow company maybe i could just like do some administration for them or something i, I was gonna what... say you'd be more back end 
more back end, yeah. Right. And what I also thought was, you know, at the end ish, um, when all that heroin goes up in that like fireball. Yeah. Okay, so I was like, oh my god, in that situation, you could get totally and utterly fucked up on heroin, right? Not your fault mm-hmm. at all. But do, do you think that's how it works? Like, do you think you can get fucked up on heroin air? Like heated up heroin air? I don't want to be a square, but I've not done heroin. I haven't done heroin either. But normally, Just you would record. either reduce it to a liquid and, and, and um, inject it, or you can smoke it. So if those are the two things that you're going to be doing, I would assume that if you get a load of heroin and you fucking put it in a car fire and then you explode that car fire with a couple of those things where you pull the pin out and they go boom and you heat it up and those bags have exploded and it's all in the air and it's hotter than hell, breathing that in is going to get you high. Yeah, I would have thought so. I mean, I know I remember a friend telling me that he went to Notting Hill Carnival and got high just off the fumes, yeah. which... Fumes are more like weed, though. Yeah, but I'm guessing that works the same. You know, I'm I'm not a scientist, but I'm I'm assuming that works the same for if you blow up a shitload of heroin, you're just sort of doing it on mass, aren't you? I just wrote air heroin question mark. Would that be a good vibe question mark? And then I was like, what a way to just get completely utterly messed up on heroin without having to actually, you know. Do you think that if that happened now in London, someone puts a tweet out? And just immediately, just every air air heroin, you know, outside King's Cross or whatever, and immediately just. If I had nothing else to do on that day, um, and a safe place to just lie down, maybe listen to some good music, I think I'll give it a go. I mean, how often do you get the opportunity to just walk into a heroin air waft and be like, like? No, I'd be I'd be in for heroin again. I want to do heroin, but if there's if there's another heroin air. I don't know. Yeah, the opportunist. We're opportunistic. Heroin. We're opportunists. That I'll, I'll give it. Look, yeah. I'm, I'll I'll give it a go. Yeah, uh, I'll walk through it. Yeah. Um. Maybe a quick first time. I'd sort of jog through just yeah, to sort yeah. of not jog get through, too much breath, of it. Just go <laughs> little breath. See how see how that is. If I'm all right. I'd want to be organised as well. So I'd want to have you know. Do you get the munchies with heroin? Fuck knows. I I have no idea. I feel like I'd be prepared just in case. I'm taking some jaffa cakes. Uh, with just in cakes, just in case it's because it's a good munchy food. Yeah, I agree. I love a jaffa cake. Do you remember the? Do you remember Twix Delight? No, not not Twix Delight. Mars Delight. No. Oh, that was a really good munchies one. I fucking love. Um, I don't. I can't remember what they're called. They're by Kinder. You can buy them in Romania. They're in the freezer section. It's basically like, it's like a Kinder Bueno meets like a kinder egg meets some sort of frozen deliciousness and you just yeah i'm not really a kinder fan so Um, if you hear weird noises that's the dog now trying to sleep behind me so his snoring is that is that's a shocker kinder can't be a kinder bueno in my book i'm not not big on kinder Really? But funny enough, Mars Delight was sort of Kinder Bueno-esque because it had like a little wafery element in there, I think. Oh, so how? Maybe I do remember it. Did you get two sticks of it? I think so, yeah. I think you're right. I think they were absolutely banging. I think I used to buy one of them after I finished my paper round. So oh, Jesus, that can't have been that long ago. How long were you doing? Hold on, we've never talked about you doing a paper round. Fuck me, yeah. I mean, that has got to be worth a bit of a tell. So Here we go. 
I was four, 14 or 15. This is what people come to this for. No one gives a shit about the film. I decided I need to get some cash together, um, mostly to support my smoking, believe it or not. And uh, if we just just a throwback to one of the first episodes when you were seven or eight, you were stealing daffodils mm-hmm. my from sweet. someone's garden, selling them back to them mm-hmm. so that you had money to go to a girl on your street who was... Angela Jennings, her sweet shop. Yeah. Hi, Angela. You're listening. Yeah. <laughs> she had her own sweet shop and, yeah. uh, and in my head, market store. At she also collected soaps. <laughs> Just so you know, bars of soaps. To sell or just as a collection? No, just as a collection. She had hundreds of bars of soaps, like hundreds. Like Kids do collect weird shit. Soap. Yeah. I collected rubbers for a while. My brother did that as well. He collected mm. rubbers. I mean, they're easy things for kids to collect, aren't they? But um, Why why do parents like kids to collect shit? Because it's easy. Like when you go to a gift shop, you're like, oh, why don't you get a rubber for your collection? Rather than, why don't you buy that overpriced dinosaur giant toy? Bullshit. You know about Hayley's thimble collection. Um, I do, so yeah. I've actually got one for her from one of the places really? I've been, and I keep so, forgetting to bring it. So, I, yeah. I'm going to quickly mention this just in case any of our listeners want to join in, which I know some of them have before. Um, at one point, in fact, we, we, me and my wife hadn't been going out very long, and someone had like a little charity sale in their front garden. I look over and I'm like, there's nothing, but the person, woman was there. So it felt kind of awkward. So I bought a thimble, which had a cartoon drawing of a Cornish pasty on it and gave it to Hayley as, and it was the first thing I ever bought for her. And then I made a point of buying more thimbles every time we went somewhere and she didn't really care for this. And then I was telling someone about how. I kept on buying her thimbles, even though she doesn't want them. At that point, we're into like the twenties, and then that person started buying them for her, for her as well. And now it's just become a thing, so that she's got like close to a hundred thimbles, and she's never bought one of them herself. People Amazing. just buy them for her. People who've never met her buy them for her because it's uh, it annoys her. And you missed such a good opportunity because I remember when you moved into your new house. You were like, oh, I'm decorating the downstairs loo. And I was like, right, what you need to do is make a little shelf and display the thimbles really proudly. Yeah. And when she comes home, there will be the thimble collection and it'll be wonderful. You didn't do it. You, no, I, 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 she would not let me. Part of me. You weren't supposed to tell her. It was supposed to be a surprise. And then you were supposed yes, to just unveil it. I like it. her and I want to stay married. Yes, but you could have just said, I've spent all this time making this incredible shelf for you because I love you. And... You know, I'm so glad, and I've put one thimble for every minute that I've thought about you in the last hour, and you could have really just got through it. So maximum of 60. Yeah, well, maybe you think about her twice, I don't know. I think about her twice a minute. No, in a second, in a second. My point is, um, what is my point? It was a missed opportunity, and to be honest, it's really slowed down, so if you're thinking of ways that you want to support this podcast, obviously you can like... You can like and subscribe. You can rate and review us. You can tell your friends because obviously we want people to know about this and so that they can listen. So if you're enjoying this podcast, please tell people, tell Spotify and iTunes, etc. But also you can buy my wife a thimble, anything you want on it. If it's one of those ones that's got something sort of 3D, like sculpted onto the outside, they're particularly special. They're nice. She doesn't like them any more than the plain ones. She doesn't like any of them, but again, very funny. Do you want to do you want to give us another uh, another little chef story? Because we've n- we've not got close to your sacking yet. Oh, I don't know. Do you want it, or do you want to hear about the really stupid girl I work with? 
Sure. Looking back on it now, maybe she actually had some problems. Um, but at the time, like, no one knew that. We just thought... Keep it light, keep it light. Yeah, yeah. We just... You no, know, it's just important to set the scene. <laughs> so, um, she was about six foot tall, this girl. And um, really, really strange. Like, she just say things out of nowhere sometimes. It's a bit creepy. So if you were doing the dishwasher, like, the little chef had one of those power dishwashers. It was like a box. You left up the box and, like, puffs of, like, smoke would come out, like steam. And you couldn't handle the glasses because it was so fucking hot. So you used to, like, put your hat, wrap your hands in tea towels and just sort of, like, throw stuff into the shelves because it was, like, burning you. But she would do it without even flinching. So we all thought she was a bit, like, you know, a bit hardcore anyway. But she did some really weird stuff. So one day this family ordered some soup and she took out soup to them. And then they called me over and they were like, um, sorry, this soup is cold. And I was like, well it's not because i've already told you about the giant pot of soup yeah the never-ending soup never-ending soup yeah and uh, i said well i don't think it's cold is it like it's yeah and they were like no no it's stone cold and i was like oh and i picked up a bowl it was stone cold so i was like oh i'm really sorry i don't know how this happened let me take you back to the kitchen and bring you some new soup and i got in there and i was like uh i can't remember this girl's name but let's call her you give her a name sandra Right, let's call Sandra. Sandra, what what was going on? The soup is cold. And she went, yeah, yeah. I poured it from the uh, from the soup pot. And I was like, what soup pot? She's like, the soup pot. And she got out a can of soup. And I was like, but we've got the soup pot, haven't we? Where we put the soup. Like, we pour the cans of soup into the soup pot, and then we ladle it out. And we put it in. Remember that whole thing that we do all the time? She was like, oh yeah, yeah, the soup pot. Oh, okay, no worries at all. The same day, this couple came in. They ordered uh, toasted tea cakes. Okay, now. By the very nature of their name, a toasted tea cake is a tea cake that's toasted. And at the little yeah. shelf, it comes with a pat of butter uh, and some jam. She sent uh, two frozen, because that's how they come, tea cakes out to these people. <laughs> she didn't even separate it in the middle with a sharp knife, which was always the thing that nearly killed you anyway. She just sent out two stuck together. You know, when you get like a bagel out of the freezer and it's all like, Meh. she just sent them out on plates. Right? And with a pat of butter and jam. The, obviously, they called me over. They're like, oh, hi, sorry. Um, something's not right here, is it? And I was like, oh, no, something's not right. And I was so sorry. They must have, someone must have bought those out before they were ready. Because what can you say? So I went back in yeah. and I was like, what's her name? Sandra. Sandra, what, what, what have you done here? She went, they asked for toasted tea cakes. I'm like, yeah, but you haven't toasted them. She went, oh, yeah, we have to toast the tea cake. Toast the tea cake, Sandra. <laughs> Come on, Sandra. She was just nuts. And there was another time when um, she was on grill. <laughs> this is the best thing ever because there was a grill chef at the Little Chef. So you never you never cooked meat. Like, no one ever cooked meat apart from the grill chef. Like, I was allowed to microwave eggs because that's how eggs were came. Scrambled eggs were in a little bag and you microwave them. Disgusting. Lovely. I was allowed to use a soup pot. I was allowed to toast tea cakes. I was allowed to do chocolate cake. Did you have to work your way up to that position, to work your way up to being able to use the toaster? No, no, toasters, day one. That, that's why we all will. Like, that's day one. What do you have one. to work your way up to? Dishwasher, definitely, because you need to, like, toughen up your skin. Um, <laughs> soup pot, you to top up the soup pot, you work your way up to that. You don't top up the soup pot on day one. No. Um, and 
what else is there? Well, some of the cutting jobs, like for example, there was a one cake. I can't remember what it was called, but I used to eat it every day. Chocolate fudge, whatever, because you get food free when you eat when you work. Mm. And um, cutting that was like you ran the risk of losing a finger every single time. It was like you know when things are so frozen solid, you had to like cut through it. You needed pliers or something. You weren't allowed to do that. You weren't allowed to handle the knives. Anyway, you can't work your way up to um to the meat meat cooker you you couldn't do that you have to actually that he was hired to do that job he was the, he was the the sous sure but dishwasher you can work your way up to dishwasher you work way up to yeah so there was career progression that's good the, this guy meat 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 chef he's sick and they're like oh well, okay sandra you're gonna be on grill which was like fucking stupid it's like putting um a five-year-old on taxes like it doesn't make sense right you just you don't understand the concept <laughs> She literally cracked 40 eggs on the grill. We had no orders. She just cracked <laughs> off the egg, off the egg. And Sandy came over and she was like, Sandra, what the fuck are you doing? Right, can you use Sandy's voice, please? What the hell are you doing? What are, what are you doing with all these eggs? And she went, well, we might need eggs. And she went, we might need eggs. That's not good enough, Sandra. Get these eggs out of here now. So Sandra, again, not being the brightest button in the box, apparently, got the bin, like the, the little tiny bin where you put like, tissues and stuff, and she just like one by one fish sliced these eggs into the bin. So we've just got like <laughs> a bin where all the like ripped up bits of like tops of the milkshake packets and stuff. It's just full of like 40 like flaccid fried eggs. Yeah, she was, yeah, it wasn't, she was special. The word flaccid is never nice. One day, I hope to go back to that little chef and just see if it's still a little chef. Might be a carpet shop, you never know. Should we uh, record a podcast from there? Oh my God, shall we? From the smoking section, which won't be smoking anymore. But I can, and then I, and on that day, I will tell you the story of how I got, how I got, I'm not fired, but how I got suggested to leave. I think you'd said another one that you had about six little chef stories. There's a car park story. And there's my firing. I won't show it now because I, I feel we should wrap up this film. I just want to say that the ending was fucking mental. I mean, all those police officers stood round and there's two men essentially mud wrestling. Like, mm. for me, I, I, that cheapened the movie, I will say. And what I found the most untoward, I don't know if that's the right phrase, what I found the most unnerving is... At the end, when he's got his that guy's neck in a leg lock and he's, like, thrusting yeah. his groin. Didn't like that? Did not like that at all. Mm. My last comment on this one was, it's a Christmas movie. Well, we're going to do a Christmas special, or we're going to okay. do a series of Christmas films. Oh, lovely. I haven't, seen Elf. I haven't seen Elf, which Ellie always bangs on about and says is very important. I haven't seen the one with the Father Christmas. I haven't seen... I, I mean, that could be any of them. As we go through, we're going to have more of your controversial views. One one of the reasons that I wanted to do this podcast is to get on air the fact that you told me that Home Alone 2 is your favourite of the Home Alone films. Home Alone 3? Oh, that was it. Home Alone 3 is your favourite, which doesn't even have Macaulay Culkin. It doesn't, but it's my favourite. And you know what? You know what? I'm so pleased that we've run out of time because that's such a bullshit theory. Like, I, I, I have no time for you to say that 
Home Alone 3 is the best of the films. Well, thank you for your... That's ridiculous. Um, thank you for your comments today um, and um, and your time. And obviously, you know, we'll pick this up another week. I need some time to calm down just because I've reminded myself of the Home Alone 3 thing. But we'll come back to it. But yeah, we'll, next week we'll come back with a, with an episode with a normal film, a film that you should have watched and somehow have, have avoided. Excellent. Well, until then... Sayonara. Right, until then. <laughs> Sayonara. <laughs>